0: Hey everybody, welcome to We Need to Talk About Kevin, uh, the only podcast where we watch we have watched every single Kevin Smith movie. I'm Ted.
1: Woo. I'm Rose.
0: <laughs> I'm Trevor. <laughs> uh, and today, special guest joining us from Trapo Trap House, uh, Matt Chrisman. Hey, hey. Hey, Matt. Um, so one thing we like to do when we uh, do these podcasts with the guests, we like to apologize to the person we have on for asking them to watch such an awful movie. So we're truly sorry sorry (laughs) yeah because
2: i tried to watch it myself before you guys invited me and i got about 10 minutes in and then i lied and said i finished it and so now i actually had to watch it.
3: (laughs) (laughs) matt do you have a history with kevin smith were you ever a kevin smith fan oh yeah absolutely and what's your what's your relationship with his work like now if you don't mind me asking
2: well i mean i think it's like a lot of people's i was a very big fan in his early years and i got i just matured and he did not and i stopped paying attention to anything other than the most of morbid curiosities
1: yeah
3: that, basically the same for me until someone wrote me into doing this podcast and now he consumes <laughs> all of
2: my thoughts and
3: he's ruined
1: my life
0: mm-hmm. we're
3: done now though dude
0: Last yeah month.
1: this is a very exciting episode this is the we're calling it the season finale because we have finally watched every currently released Kevin Smith film Uh, Matt I've been listening to your streams lately during quarantine uh, and I was enjoying you talking about like the myth of Sissy And for me it feels like I have finally pushed the boulder all the way up the mountain. That's
3: what you think now.
1: Sisame has probably thought that too. <laughs> That's the thing though, is that like right now I feel triumphant. You know, I'm looking back at what I've accomplished of watching every Kevin Smith film. But soon there will be more to watch. <laughs> and I will be at the bottom of the mountain again.
0: <laughs> I don't I don't even feel triumphant i feel like i like i look back like damn we've done so many episodes and we've watched all these things and like (laughs) i spent a lot of my time watching these fucking movies and i don't i don't like that
3: i did that i feel defeated i'm glad that it's over i feel relieved (laughs) but it still feels bad yeah i'm on the same page
1: yeah i i tweeted partway through this movie that The finale of this podcast will be when kevin smith puts a bullet through my brain because i feel like that's the only way to end this because he's like ripped out my soul watching these films so the only ending is that he just like takes me out completely
3: i'm afraid that he'll
1: never die
3: uh matt what did you think of this movie it's not good No, I would right. say that it's quite it's not,
2: bad. It's it's his worst film, which is appropriate. Since- no, 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 no. Have you seen Have you seen Yoga Hosers? <laughs> I have seen Yoga Hosers. Wow! Oh, come well,
3: on. Uh, you think this is worse you, yoga than hosers Yoga Hosers? Absolutely,
2: absolutely, it's better than this yeah. by, a large, oh, wow. by a large, amount. Wow, that's Socking crazy. Take. no, it's not. It's not even close.
1: <laughs> what do you like about Yoga Hosers
2: compared yeah, to it that? was trying to do something. Yeah. He was trying to break out of his rut. And I respected that. The, the, this film is depressing in a way. Yoga hosers is just sort of baffling. Because you see him just learning leaning in intentionally to his worst, laziest traits. Uh, and it's and just expecting you because he's widowed his audience down to just the most uh diluted diehards to pat him on the head for it. Uh grim, grim stuff. At, le- at Very- least Yoga Hosers, he's like, hey. Let's let's just actually go for something. Uh, even it was terrible, and I and it, and it probably gave him the idea to go back to his quote unquote <laughs> roots, uh, where he knew he would have people who would bark like seals for all the all the
0: like walruses. obvious
2: uh, stunt castings that he did. But I I gotta respect any attempt to even uh, incompetently explore your talents to their limit, as opposed to just. Uh, starting a project from the assumption that you're out of ideas so before we get any
0: further uh the movie we watched this week is jane silent bob reboot which is uh actually a sequel to jane silent bob strike back it's it's sort of a soft reboot yeah like it maintains the timeline but it tells the same story it is yeah
1: technically a comedy like it was written and sold as a comedy but i did not laugh at all watching this film it was definitely a um, it it made my I didn't hate it as much as a lot of the other Kevin Smith films we've watched. Like I wouldn't put it below Yoga Hosers. Yeah. But I do agree that there was like a soul deadening effect to watching it. Like it felt so hollow to its core. And I'm hoping I know this isn't true, but I'm hoping beyond hope that Kevin Smith does not make any more <laughs> films after this. Like end it here. This is so obviously the end of the road.
3: The the most depressing thing to me about this movie, and it really hit me in the scene with Jason Lee in the comic shop... Oh. And you see how old Jason Lee looks. He's so aged. And he's wearing that same jacket. uh, (laughs)
2: Yeah, Losing battle there.
3: And like, (laughs) I mean, Jay and Kevin already look like shit. And then we see uh, Jason Lee wearing that same jacket from Mallrats. Uh. And they're literally doing the same scene from the last Jay and Silent Bob movie with the same framing and the same beats and everything. And it's like watching these 50 year old men wearing these same costumes from when they were like in their 20s it it was like wow this is just a really sad uh dis- display of of just how little kevin smith has to offer
2: the world i didn't laugh at any point but i definitely gasped several points how how brutally people had aged yeah yeah that's really <laughs> yeah. the only ad- interesting thing in the film is just seeing just the ravages on people the guy the kid from don't tell mom your baby the babysitter's dead was that was that was a sobering moment because <laughs> he just it was like hello here's mortality before in like human form
3: <laughs> o- oddly uh Diedrich bader who plays the security guard uh yeah, in hollywood looks, looks exactly the same. exactly that the same. was amazing he is not age. i did not get that at all
1: something that I felt was um, so obviously missing from this film because for some reason I keep having hope that Kevin will do these obvious aspects of the story Uh, Kevin has now had two shots with both Clerks 2 and, and Jane Silent Bob reboot to do this reflection on like aging and growing older and you know what does it mean to leave your hometown what does it mean to stay there He's had multiple shots at it, and he's never actually dived into it. And it seems like the most obvious emotional beat to go for with this kind of a movie. Uh, Revisiting these old characters and stuff, and yet it goes completely by. Uh, And instead becomes this weird story about, I guess we'll get into the plot now, but about, like, being a dad?
3: Uh, I was just going to say the only real theme of this movie is fatherhood because Kevin Uh is a father and all his tiny brain really has room to think about outside of Marvel movies (laughs) is like being a dad. So that's Uh the only thing that he can think about in terms of life and and, like, even getting older, like, I don't think he's even conscious of his own aging, because he's still basically no. an overgrown child. So being a dad yeah. while still being a fucking man-child is the only thing he really understands about adulthood.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I thought he was going to go into, like, a thing about, like, taking care of himself more when he was, like, they were doing the vegan mm-hmm. bit. And then it turns out all the children are vegan, too. So it's like, no, it's just that he's a vegan now. Like, that's the only... There's no for deeper level to that at all
1: um trev i think you hit the nail on the head there with like the becoming a dad but not growing up aspect because the um if anything made this film interesting to me it was the fact that like you know with the original clerks the part that i still really enjoy about that is that intentionally or not it does like kind of purely depict this corner of the world this certain perspective and i enjoy that we
3: have to talk about clerks and how it's quote unquote good (laughs) again i'm so sick of (laughs) that shit it's not good
1: and and the thing like the dark reflection of that is that jay and salibab reboot depicts like intentionally or not this pure uh mindset of this gen x dude who became rich pretty young and completely detached from the world and has like no introspection and it's him trying to talk about fatherhood again and what comes out is the most hollow inhumane kind of story like it feels like a movie written by an alien you can't imagine <laughs> that a person would write like this but at the same time it's so stupid and so clumsy that you know that it's purely coming from the heart like this is who <laughs> kevin is just completely hollow
3: well it's in it's informed more by the beats of a story about fatherhood in a movie than it is from any, like, uh, actual authentic experience he may have had. So, I, I think, well, we should talk about the plot first.
0: Basically, the plot of this movie yeah. is similar to the first Strike Back, where Jay and Silent Bob go cross-country to stop a movie being made because it, like, messes with them, basically. You know, I don't really feel the need to explain that more.
3: It's just the same plot again, but this time it's a reboot. That's yeah. that's uh-huh. the whole thing.
0: The twist this time is... Uh, jay's love interest from the the previous movie strike back uh i don't remember her like name name but he always calls her boo boo kitty justice justice that's right um she has had a child it's jay's child she's like supposed to be like 18 19 maybe and Uh she goes with them they go crash chronic con which is a blunt man and chronic comic con analog um so that's sort of the movie is jay coming to terms with that that's his daughter. She doesn't know until the very end, basically. Um, it's, it sucks. A lot of the the narrative is that like none of the girls knew their father, which is something that I think Jason Mewes dealt with. I remember when I was hate watching some Kevin Smith interview because I hate myself, um, that that was something that he said. So I think that like the only real sort of father stuff comes from Jason Mewes, but obviously he's like wrapped up in the writing of Kevin Smith, so he can't actually do it like i think there was some some genuineness in jason muse in the movie um and his daughter is in it too she's i think ben affleck's kid
3: yeah ben affleck's daughter is played by jason muse's daughter and also harley quinn smith is secretly jason muse's daughter and that's mm-hmm. actually what this whole movie is about yeah that's a theory that i'm convinced there's I matt i don't know if you're aware of this but there's a theory out there that uh jason muse is actually the father of harley quinn smith because Kevin Smith is a cuck who's never made love to his wife, despite <laughs> all his posts about it, and, uh, and Jason Muse is like the bull in the relationship, and he's actually the biological father of Harley Quinn Smith, and I believe that this movie is a, a secret confession uh, that she's actually Jason Muse's daughter, much like Stanley Kubrick, uh, confess to the moon landing when he made uh, The Shining using uh, secret clues in the film. Uh, yeah,
2: let's go with that. Sure.
3: <laughs> okay, cool.
1: By the way, I need to note that, like, they got the definition of uh, reboot and remake wrong at the beginning of the movie. I Like, maybe I need to go back. Maybe I was too faded or something. But I'm pretty sure that at the beginning of the film, they say that a reboot is, like, when a studio makes the same movie again. And I'm like, no, that's a remake. A reboot is like when a franchise starts over. Uh, I was very like thrown off by that intro.
0: It was wrong. And also like, it didn't even match up to what they were saying. Like they would say something mm-hmm. and then he would like counteract that in a later sentence, which was...
3: I kind of I kind of tuned that part out. It all sounded like noise to me.
0: It was pretty funny when, um, when Jason Lee's character is talking about how like he loves Marvel movies but he hates all the other sequels and it's No,
3: that what that that wasn't funny.
0: It wasn't No, it wasn't funny. It was supposed to be a gag, but like that's also how Kevin Smith really feels. So,
3: yeah. yeah, I
1: was very confused with that part.
3: He can't make an authentic joke about it because he actually like has a a religious devotion to those movies.
0: Very strange. Um, movies pretty pretty racist too. Oh I mean, god. this had to come up eventually. Yeah, I My god. The video. Yeah,
1: so
3: I don't want to get into doing a lot of, like, id poll here, but he literally (laughs) named the Muslim girl character Jihad. Like, what what the fuck is this man thinking? This movie was made in 2019.
1: Yeah, uh, 2019, we got, like, just some pretty straight-up racist jokes with them, and there's the other girl that, like... Jay starts speaking Spanish to or something. There's like some weird thing there. Uh, we got some weird lesbian shit because Kevin cannot leave lesbians alone for some <laughs> reason. Uh, you know, we, we get to see uh, Jason Mewes chuck his dick between his legs and then like the cop basically calls him a freak because he can't see his dick and I'm like, alright there's some more like weird transphobic genital shit going on here. So like There's not a ton of this stuff in the movie, but Kevin covers all of his bases very, very quickly.
3: Generally speaking, he was very restrained in terms of the gay panic stuff. Compared to Uh to previous movies, there was a lot less weird gay stuff than I was expecting in this.
1: There's still a decent amount of like, wouldn't it be funny if someone was gay? Like, there's still a few jokes like that.
3: They have the joint that they smoke where it's like a guy with a dick and they suck on the dick to <laughs> smoke it. That's pretty dismal. <laughs> a pretty funny gag there.
1: <laughs> yeah, Bob wakes up and he's like, it looks like he's sucking Jay's dick, but he's not. Uh, that's pretty funny because it's like, what if they were gay? <laughs> it's inherently funny.
0: Pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it's vintage Kevin. Like, all his weird beliefs and like weird jokes that he likes to make are all mm-hmm. there. There, some of them I think some of the stuff is better. He avoids um, the incredible racism of chasing Amy, which is good, but he just <laughs> replaces it with a character named Jihad. Um, <laughs> there's a Chinese character,
3: but oh, not really. She's Russian, but she's actually Russian. She's a Russian oh, agent right, yes. doing Russian collusion. Yeah. Her reason for wanting to kill Kevin Smith is never really explained. I don't understand what's going on there. But it's, yeah. if Putin were actually trying to assassinate Kevin, I would support him. I think that would be fine. I, I support him anyway.
1: <laughs> this is the other like, uh, like real Gen X mindset stuff in this film is... Uh, russiagate happens like that's the big finale of the film is is russian infiltration and i was like oh my god i'm stuck in the middle of a facebook post right now he
0: even like directly mentions it i don't remember exactly what they say but he directly says something about like they're interfering in our elections too uh and it sucks
1: (laughs) 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 yeah you you got russia panic you have uh you know deep-seated love of the MCU, yeah, lots of nineties nostalgia. It's all there. It's all there. And us. that's why Kevin should be wrapping it up with this film. That's why like this should be the finale of the whole thing. Yeah.
0: It should have been the finale of the whole thing the way that Clerks Two should have been the finale of the whole thing.
2: Well the well, Clerks Two was the finale of a cycle in his career. Yeah. Mm. Uh if yeah. you look at his AMTB, that was him sort of trying to come to terms with the idea that if he was going to be, I mean, if you look at it, you know, it's about growing up and it's about, if you apply it to his career, it's about him realizing, okay, uh, I'm going to have, you know, have to put childish things aside. I'm going to have to put away the easy, the easy, uh, relationship the audience has with these characters who they love. Uh, I'm going to ignore the fact that the reason that, uh, everyone liked clerics is because it was about my life. It was about the things I'd observed, uh, but you know, now I'm a rich filmmaker, so I don't really have any uh, way to relate to people, uh, my day-to-day experiences. So uh, I'm going to try something else now. And it was a, a collection of bombs and uh, movies that were progressively panned and hated mm-hmm. and generally bad. I mean, you guys know, you've watched them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so this is sort of him looking back and saying, like, I, at the, I don't have the talent or stamina to try to push against my limitations as an artist, so I'm just going to fully indulge those small remaining uh, diehard fans I have who have similarly refused mm-hmm. to grow up. Uh, and it just, we will all have fun with together with this totally inaccessible thing that has absolutely no value as a piece of art to anyone who has not been completely uh, uh, subsumed in my work. For the last 25 to 30 years.
0: You would really have to see every View Universe movie,
1: except for maybe <laughs>
3: Clerks 2. You could maybe skip that one.
0: But... No,
2: Rosario
3: Dawson. Yeah, that's right.
2: That's, yeah.
1: yeah, that's right. Yeah.
3: First of all, the the thing is that he's right. If he's realized yeah. that he's incredibly limited and has no ability to attempt anything else, Uh, I agree with him because he tried to do like some kind of like political horror movie and he tried to do like a Judd Apatow movie and he tried to do this and that and he found new ways to be terrible at anything (laughs) he tried. The last like three or four movies we watched were all so punishing to me in a different way that like it was almost like a relief almost refreshing to just come back to the well as bad and creatively Uh bankrupt as it is it was more comfortable for me to watch kevin smith going back to what he does best and repeating the same bad jokes that i didn't like in the first place uh (laughs) because like watching him uh, have any sort of like creative uh, puberty and attempt to break out of his shell is deeply uncomfortable in a way <laughs> where this movie is just bad, but like not as unpleasant to me as watching like uh, uh, fucking Red State or, or Yoga Hosers.
1: I think from a business sense, this is honestly a smart move because I have seen a surprising amount of people checking out this Jane Silent Bob reboot. Like, I haven't looked at the numbers on it, but just from judging by conversation alone, I think there is, um, I think enough time has passed where people are like, oh, yeah, like, I'll give Kevin Smith another shot. Like, I'll check back in with him.
3: Also, I think it's also a matter of uh, how he's able to get any funding for a movie. Yeah, that's true. Obviously, he lost Weinstein, And he wasn't able to finish his like moose or his fucking Canadian horror trilogy because nobody wants to fund those movies. But Saban Films, the psychotic uh, Israeli company, was willing to give him (laughs) money to go back and do the same thing again. So it's like, well, if this is what I can actually do and get paid for it, I guess that's what I'll do. Probably nobody wants to invest in the next Kevin Smith auteur horror comedy project. So this is kind of all he can really get away with doing, I think.
0: Yeah. One small thing that like really bothered me about this movie is um, he reuses a song that he had made for Chasing Amy. And he also reused that song in the first Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back and it's just like, dude, you can't use the same like song three times, and I, it just bothered me so much. If it was only in the Two J and Silent Bob movies, fine, that's fine, whatever. But it was in Chasing Amy before that, so what's the point? Like,
1: it's all about the repetition. It's oh, all about I'm like insane. getting people to to recognize stuff. Um, uh, Matt, I think hit the nail on the head there. Uh, it actually made me kind of think of um, what Vera Drew was saying when she was on uh, our show that. Kevin at a certain point lost confidence in being a filmmaker at all. Like there is a certain point in his career where you can tell there is this like deep insecurity with all of his films where he's jumping around from genre to genre, constantly making up excuses for like why his films aren't good. Constantly like trying to like rejuvenate his image, whether it's as like a new, like whether he's doing a Judd Apatow film, whether he's trying to be like a cool indie horror director. And uh the resignation to just do another Jason Bob movie is kind of comforting in a way, even though it also feels nauseating. It reminded me of when we watched Too Fat for Forty and Kevin Smith walked out on stage with like a fake version of the convenience store behind him in like this you know, Jersey get up or whatever. And it just felt like someone wearing the skin of another artist. Like it was just complete, um, just symbols for his fans to consume. There was nothing underneath that.
3: Well, yeah, that's, that's the horrible, depressing feeling I get watching these 50 year old guys wearing these Jay and Silent Bob costumes. And then the film culminating at the Jay and Silent Bob, uh, con, comic-con mm-hmm. where there's like a bunch of people also dressed like jay and silent bob and he dresses his own daughter not like silent bob but like jay which you know wink <laughs> wink uh... <laughs> and then the ultimate his his self-deprecating narcissism is really on full display in the way that he casts himself as himself as the director of the fake movie that everybody is shitting on for the entire movie and talking about (laughs) how much he sucks his like self-deprecating act is such a like desperate cynical like ploy (laughs) (laughs) like like he's he has so little confidence in himself that he has to constantly shit on himself it's almost like do it like psychologically manipulating his audience into being like, No, no, Kevin, you're good, we like you. <laughs> it's like a middle
0: school girl's Facebook post. Like, oh, I feel so
1: <laughs> well. You know what it is? I can clear this up for everybody it's uh, it's Catholicism. It's uh, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> this, I, I know this is a, a fellow Catholic. Kevin is like whipping himself uh, in front of us. Uh, to, uh, to cleanse himself of his sins for all of his bad movies.
0: <laughs> that was pissing me off so bad. So in the final act of the movie, Kevin Smith playing Kevin Smith appears on stage to talk about the movie Blunt Man and Chronic.
1: Which should be noted, probably the best performance in a Kevin Smith film in a long, long time. Kevin Smith playing Kevin Smith. (laughs) Because he at least looked like he was having fun.
0: I do maintain that if you play yourself, you're not acting.
1: No, I I, I agree. Except for... um, uh, Kevin Garnett nope. in Uncut Sorry, Gems. Not acting. He should have gotten an Oscar not acting. He should have gotten an Oscar. Well,
3: the way he wrote himself into the movie was really a lot like uh, Kurt Vonnegut in Breakfast for Champions because he made himself <laughs> this uh God this godlike uh, figure where a- at the end of that whole sequence he's talking he's describing himself directing the movie as he's on film in the movie and he's that like, was strange. now I'm gonna now I'm gonna fade away. Uh, to the uh, fucking quick stop or whatever, doing a very deliberate kind of Deus Ex Machina thing, like Charlie Kaufman in adaptation or something. This movie's yeah. actually pretty layered and deep. <laughs> to really describe uh, all, all the full artistic intent here would take hours, and you know, <laughs> if only. Um, I, I think that was sort
0: of almost a reference. Not to take anything away from uh, Mr. Smith, but I think that was a reference to the podcast he does. Because whenever he oh, does God. a podcast-based movies, uh, he includes yeah. in the credits, like, him explaining the end shot that he did on the podcast,
3: so I think that might have been what? where that was coming from. I don't even understand, but I don't want to investigate that further, because I don't give a shit. Yeah, fair.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it just, it makes me so mad to see him up there like, I suck, like,
3: I'm bad, don't make fun of me. Oh, <laughs> Nothing infuriates me more. I'm so sick of this, man. We should really talk to our guest. Matt, (laughs) are there still early Kevin Smith films that you enjoy, like you think hold up now? Or do you have like like, a different?
2: Clerks and and Mallrats are still pretty good. and You can see the progression. Clerks is good. Uh, Mallrats, I think, is even funnier, honestly, than Clerks. Then he tries to level up as a filmmaker in terms of complexity of story and stuff with Chasing Amy. The whole time he's getting dogged by critics who keep yelling at him and he lets them in his head because he is insecure about his talent because at the end of the day, he stopped figuring out he either never knew to try or at some point gave up uh, trying to figure out not just what his characters were like, not just how to have the film say what his characters were feeling in a scene, but to convey it with his camera. Mm-hmm. He never learned that at, or he stopped trying. And so he was aware of his deficiency. And like, that's the thing. If you don't know why you're bad at something, you will respond to criticism with anger, but that anger will uh, be directed out at them. And you're going to sh- like Uwe Boll, for example. Uh, <laughs> Kevin yeah. Smith is like the anti-Uwe Boll in that he does think he, is no, he knows where he's not good enough. Uh, and so he's still mad at those critics, but he responds to that anger by lowering his uh, standards and expectations of himself. End of the art he consumes. I mean, there's a reason that he's a comic book uh, Marvel guy. Is because that's the only level of like challenge that he can take before he is reminded of how little he is able to command that aspect of filmmaking.
1: Uh, I think I think that's a fair point. I was actually thinking earlier because um, uh, I've been talking to people about this podcast recently that this podcast isn't supposed to be. Um, shaming people for like liking dumb stuff cuz if we were doing a podcast about Uwe Boll or <laughs> Michael Bay or Paul W.S. Anderson we'd probably like love a lot of their films and get a big kick out Michael of it Michael Bay rules. all
3: those men could run circles around Kevin Smith oh, Dude, I awesome. I, yeah. I will I will shame
2: people for liking Kevin Smith <laughs> I will Well like I said some, some of the films uh like some certainly of them, yeah. certainly once you get past a certain time and he's given up as we said because the thing about Uwe Boll is that he 100% believed he was making the best movie he could have. Now, yeah, yeah. He and the thing is is that he was correct because he did. Mm-hmm. He tried. So he made the best movie he could have. Now, you might say it's still not very good, but that's because his combination of talent and will is not quite up to the task of making films. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know, he doesn't know that, God love him, but he thinks he does. So his <laughs> movies are complete, they have all of them in them. But yeah. After a while Kevin Smith gave up and he replaced himself in his films with the references to the previous stuff as a way to fill in the gap of the fact that it was going to be less effective now because he didn't have any other material. It's just purely, hey, remember these guys. And then of course it gets more broke and there's more references over time because he needs to be keep deepening that to make up for the fact that it's less and less effective over over time. And even though the end of the, your last movie is just looking at uh, Jason Mew's face and wondering uh, how much that dental work cost when his <laughs> student fell out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Uh Which is not a fun thing to think about when you're watching a movie that's supposed to be a comedy. Yeah. Uh, and then and then you're just supposed to... I, one thing I've noticed is that over the course of all the movies where he plays Silent Bob, Silent Bob talks more and more as the movies watch. Uh, <laughs> yeah. the, yeah. like the first movie doesn't say anything and then over time, not only does he talk more, but he does more gestures and grimaces. He's not a straight man. He's like a goofy. uh, And it's because just the sight of silent Bob over the years for the audience. And as a guy creating the film, it just has less meaning. It means less. It's just a, and so he's got to keep upping the ante of asserting that he is silent Bob. Remember? Oh yeah. This is silent Bob. I like him. Like, like a memory. Awful. It is now being cruelly parodied. The awful, so
3: long, the awful mm-hmm. new wrinkle to the silent Bob shtick was the thing with the cell phone, how he's always furiously oh, tapping away with one finger on the Jeez. phone just to reveal that he's typed a single emoji. Like, Something that's not even a joke, but it's just an excuse. Why would he
2: be doing that? (laughs) The payoff has to have some sort of connection to the setup. And somebody wouldn't do that to get one emoji. Like the surprise, you have to. A a joke is about a surprise, but the surprise thing has to make sense in retrospect.
3: It's just an excuse for him to do a bunch of extraneous physical comedy that doesn't actually have a comedic point to it.
1: This movie. Felt like the Three Stooges at the time, like at at, at certain points, because Silent Bob's mannerisms and facial expressions whoa, were whoa. like the, something that one three, of them. The would Three
3: do. Stooges were masters of their craft.
1: Though. I mean, you're true. Kind of, true. You're yeah. not.
3: You're kind of being unfair with this comparison.
0: You're being unfair to the Stooges, Rose. <laughs> but- <laughs> i'm gonna cut this sorry
1: i i love i love the stooges um but and and i also wanted to say that like sorry trev i'm gonna praise clerks again
3: (laughs) kevin is more of a curly joe (laughs) than a curly i'll say i'll say that much real stooge heads will know what i'm talking about the uh
1: the thing that is so wonderful about jane and bob and the original clerks which i would say is like the best stuff kevin has done um is that when I look at Jay and Silent Bob in that first movie, with Jay being this wild dude who is like so gross and out there and he's smoking weed and he's dancing and he feels like he feels like he could go from being your best friend to being in a fight with you in like a second. And there's something about him and Silent Bob, which feels real. Like actually, like I grew up with dudes like that of some crazy over the top guy and this other dude who is totally level. Like I recognize that. And that made it a lot funnier. That made it great. And then now you get to this point with Jane and Silent Bob reboot and the dynamic is basically like, Jay is just a very offensive man who has like a 14 year old's brain, but he looks like he's 45 Oof. and Bob <laughs> is one of the three stooges, I guess. Like he just hams it up the entire time and it doesn't feel like the same characters anymore. I'm like, I don't know these dudes. These dudes aren't real.
3: Jay is too old to exist in that form. Like yeah, that character yeah. of Jay by that age is either dead or he's, like, <laughs> hollowed out into some unrecognizable uh, thing that would be nothing. Unless one of his friends uh, yep. becomes the big movie
2: director. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Well, okay, I, like, I really want to phrase this delicately. Because okay. I, I don't want to insult Jason Mewes. Seems like an, a stand-up guy. Why does he look so different in this film? What's going on with his face? Because something <sighs> is off. It doesn't look I like mean, Jason used in the other movies.
3: Clearly, he had issues with meth, I'm going to completely mm. assume. And like Matt mentioned, he probably has a bunch of fake teeth now. But right. he still, the way his like mouth moves and stuff, yeah. he still has that kind of like thing in his face that older people get when they've been using meth for a long time. Mm. Like, yeah. you, Usually, they right. also yeah. don't have any teeth but he has, like, some beautiful fake teeth. But, like, the way his, like, face moves, you can still kind of see it. Yeah. And it's sad. I mean, it's a bummer, but seems like he's in- recovered and doing fine now, so...
0: Yeah, I think he made a big, like, recovery um, when his daughter was born. So I think that's okay. part of that, is, like, just the big rebound that we're seeing, which is sort of the inverse of what we saw in Strike Back when he was, like, going down a hole in that movie.
1: Yeah, and I, I wouldn't have brought it up except for the fact that when we saw um uh, Zach and Mary make a porno, he looked like fit. Like he looked like really good in that movie. They also
0: dressed him a lot more flattering in that, I would say. True, yeah,
1: that's true. Uh, but like his face looked like normal in that <laughs> film. It, it just like felt like such a switch. I didn't know what happened.
3: Well, that was like a long time ago. It was like 15 years ago. <laughs>
1: was it that long that long I'm
3: I'm 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 exaggerating but yeah it was a long time ago
1: yeah uh, this this film like you know it may be a very stupid crass horrible obnoxious waste of a time but you know if you want to feel uh, the cold hand <laughs> of uh, of death like curl around your shoulder like if you want to feel the inevitability of time and mortality then uh, I would say check out Jane's and Bob reboot because I definitely thought a lot about um, uh, my own mortality watching this film.
3: Alternatively you could watch a good movie. I thought a lot about Kevin's mortality <laughs> <and> <laughs> hoping that it would happen sooner <laughs> yeah
0: and kevin strangely enough like in his recent like since he got skinny this is i think the best looking i've seen him like
1: he actually does look really good he looks
0: good in every other picture or whatever i've seen he looks like he is straight up dying and he looks fine in this um good for you man
3: yeah he looks he looks a little less gaunt like he might have uh Put on like uh, you know, like a, a little bit of weight. Like he's looking a little more healthy.
0: Yeah. So back to what we were talking about a little bit ago the the big speaking scene that of course Silent Bob must oh, have yes. in every film.
3: Oh, he does the Glen oh. Gary Glenn Ross speech to a bunch of KKK guys. Yes,
0: he does it to Klansmen yeah. who have tied up. Um, Harley Quinn's character, who is named Millennium Falcon, which is Millennium, a Falcon, better name right. than Harley Quinn Smith, and it's supposed to be a joke, but it's just better than that because her last name's actually Falcon. Anyway, I don't.
3: They're both pretty bad. Names. It's a lot easier to say Millie, and
0: everybody's like, "That's normal." You call somebody Harley like Har-
3: Harley's a normal name. I don't know. Sorry, I've on. never <laughs> met anybody named Harley. Have you met a? Okay, uh, I don't want to. I don't want to fight in front of Matt. <laughs>
0: Um, But so the the Klansmen have tied up uh, all of Harley Quinn Smith's, like, gang, which is a uh, deaf black woman, Harley Quinn, a Chinese woman, and a, of course, the Muslim jihad. Uh And it's a really awful scene because the way they get out of it is Silent Bob distracts everybody by doing the monologue from Glengarry Glen Ross, but, like, slightly different. And it makes no sense. Like, I don't know why you would do that. Monologue. Genuinely
2: baffling. When, when, yeah. when I started doing it, I was I was more than anything just sort of in, in total quizzical bafflement. Yeah.
1: Well, <laughs> I, I think I have an answer to this scene because I was also very confused watching it why you would do this. And I think that with this scene, Kevin is doing what he thinks is like an approximation of... Um, blazing saddles Mm. but the thing is is that blazing saddles like for all of its controversy is a very (laughs) well thought out and pretty angry anti-racist satire so when it tackles something like the kkk it does it with a real burning kind of anger towards what they represent when kevin does it he seems to choose the kkk because they are silly yeah. in the same way that that he chose nazis because they're silly making jokes about the kkk is a very touchy subject <laughs> so um i feel like kevin should be at least a little bit more like clear about what he's doing
3: <laughs> it's a good way of telegraphing to the audience that he's not racist because if you yeah. show the kkk and then you spray shit all over them then it's like just so everyone knows, those are the bad guys that I don't agree with. <laughs> it is an
2: actual case of virtue signaling, but the whole yeah. film is virtue yeah. signaling. The whole it film is. is virtue signaling to someone. Oh yeah. I mean, oh yeah. Definitely. Virtue signaling to mostly to his small band of supporters, but when he feels like that's too thin gruel and he needs some sort of greater pander, then he pulls out. Hey, you guys remember uh, Glenn, Gary, Glenn Ross, and uh, the clan's bad and. And so everything that isn't a direct reference to him is just borrowed from whatever he thinks will get a relatively uh uh positive reception from a an imagined audience yeah his
3: his daughter's character and her friend who's deaf like clearly seem to be like they're supposed to be a woke gen z version of jay and silent mm-hmm. bob where it's like you know Uh, she's silent because she's deaf and she's also black. And it's like, look at me, Kevin, I'm checking all these boxes. So of course, like they also have a a Muslim girl in a hijab, which is like, see, I'm checking another uh, box. Like I approve of all this stuff, but because he has an extremely childlike brain, he can't do that (laughs) with also, like, comedically commenting on it, so he has to have Jay say something racist, because it's not him, it's Jay saying it, and then it's Mm -hmm. like, hey, that's racist, but also her name is Jihad. God. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's just like, what the fuck are you doing? 2019, this movie came out. He wants to be woke, but he doesn't know how to do it without, like, saying stuff that's sort of a racist joke, but isn't even really a joke. And it's just weird.
1: Yeah, it's it's like in... um, I, The worst example for me is our most recent quote-unquote film. I personally don't think it counts. The Jay and Silent Bob groovy cartoon movie uh, animated oh, in like Adobe Flash 2 oh. or something. Uh, but that in that film, there is actually a section of it which... Jay makes extremely uh, offensive, derogatory comments about lesbians. And then Kevin steps in to be like, Hey guys, just so you know, this is a character saying this, not me. I don't actually believe in this. But, I mean, just like the KKK thing in this, it is a complete virtue signal in that he is still willing to do things which are very very reckless with marginalized groups or straight up offensive and then feel completely um uh, like he's completely atoned for it because he does this like follow-up like where he you know shows the kkk members how dumb they are with this speech he's like see i'm not racist even though the scene itself like shows a mindset where you're not understanding The um, severity of the images that you're playing with the KKK and these like multiracial kids like that's really charged imagery to be using so recklessly.
3: Well, Kevin is terrified of lesbians on like a Freudian level, I think. (laughs) Yeah, there's something Uh, very weird there. In in this movie, he tries to reckon with it a little bit by Mm -hmm. being like, oh, look, remember Jay's love interest? He doesn't get to have her because she's a lesbian now. And it's like, oh, remember that movie I made about the lesbian falling in love with a guy? Well, guess what? She's a lesbian again, and he doesn't get to be with her. And it's like, look, I lesbians are fine. Like, I'm fine with it. But it's all like guys getting cucked by lesbians, sort of. There's, yeah. some, there's something very uh, pathological going there. But frankly, I'm so sick of trying to dissect <laughs> Kevin's mind and what makes him the way he is.
0: Okay, so, uh, unfortunately, our special guest, Matt Chrisman, has to leave now. Um, he has better things to do than talk about a Kevin Smith movie for two hours. Um, which, you know, wish that was me. But uh, thanks, Matt.
3: Thank uh, you very Matt, much. thanks so much for uh, coming on. Everybody, please listen to Chapo Trap House. <laughs> yeah, it's already. a
1: small <laughs> podcast.
3: Go help them out.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. They, could, they could, They could
3: really, really use your help. <laughs> Thanks, thanks, thanks for thanks, the consideration, thanks. guys. Of course. <laughs> thanks, Matt. Have a great night. You too. Have a good bye you. What the fuck is a reboot? I had some more stuff I wanted to say, and uh actually I do I do feel the need to get this out on the pod. Uh, I was kinda of, while Matt was here, because he came out so strongly against it, I was kind of afraid to um to unleash my actual <laughs> honest Opinion about this movie. Uh, Because, um, you know, but I just have to say it because the fans count on me for honesty. You know, I I don't censor myself. So I just got to be real with you guys. This was a very bad movie and it upset me and it made me mad and it depressed me. But all things considered, I think that Jay and Silent Bob reboot is the best movie that Kevin Smith has ever made.
0: I would ah. not say that at all, but I-
1: I would not say that. It was
3: better than anything since before The Clerks 2. I on- honestly, truly, it's, I mean, it's better than the first James Silent Bob movie. I wouldn't say that. First James Solid Bob had a monkey. You guys, you guys hated that movie. I did, but I expected
0: a
1: lot this more This one's from a lot it. better. I expected a lot this more. This one's a lot, lot better. Look, I've
3: heard enough about your fucking expectations. Listen. <laughs> <laughs>
1: This one definitely ranks above, like, this one's above Clerks 2. This one's above Jalen Silent Bob's Straight Back.
3: This one is just barely above Dogma for me. It just barely edges out Dogma as literally the best movie Kevin Smith has ever made. And, like, when I say that, keep in mind that I hate this movie. It's garbage. But (laughs) I, the experience of watching all of these movies over the past however many months feels like it's been years now uh has been so bad and a whole lot of them i thought that maybe i was gonna have kind of a good time watching them and i never did it was always like a painful slog that i hated even the ones that i remembered enjoying like or none of none of them were fun to watch and i kind of had fun (laughs) watching (laughs) this one (laughs) it it's it's so bad it it it's the first time where i finally felt like okay kevin smith is being bad in such a transcendent way in such a layered way where his his weird arrogance and self-obsession is cratering in on itself in a way that the result is something kind of sublime that <laughs> I never want to watch it again, but watching it the one time, I was like, okay. And honestly, as awful and stupid and cliche as they were, the genuine moments of pathos between uh, Jay and his real life daughter, Harley Quinn Smith. Yeah. We're like the best parts of the movie because we've, we've talked about this before. Kevin Smith sucks at being funny. Anytime he tries to do something other than make a joke and be funny, it invariably it's better. It's not like good, but it's like a reprieve from his awful sense of humor when he like attempts to do something that's not comedy. And frankly, in spite of how weird and old and haggard Jason Mewes looks now, he still kind of has more of a spark uh, uh, as a performer than than the movie deserves. And I also think that Harley Quinn Smith is much more talented than her dad. And... And I, like, uh, those moments, I was like, you know what? This is really stupid and obvious, but it's kind of sweet on a very basic level, you know? Uh, no. Who would have okay. thought? full disclosure. No. Full disclosure, no. I've had a couple of beers <laughs> for most of the last several of these movies. I've been depressingly sober <laughs> watching them <laughs> So that might have helped
1: I've been progressively drunker Watching them
0: uh, My mind is a palace I do not imbibe anything um, <laughs> Except for these movies You mean your body's a palace Whatever it's the same thing
1: I, I, I certainly will not give this movie The praise that you're giving it Not at all But i will stand by what i said earlier i just
3: want to quibble with your use of the word praise <laughs> i want to be very clear here dogma was previously my favorite i'm doing finger quotes even though no one can see me my favorite <laughs> kevin smith movie and it's very very bad yeah. um this is a. Uh, this topped that for me um and it's terrible. It's a it's a it's a terrible <laughs> fucking movie. But it was such a relief. It's like what Vera told us. Vera was right about everything. Vera was Vera right. <laughs> Vera was, she was smart. She told us we were gonna descend into the heart of darkness with yoga hosers and that like watching this movie, Jane Silent Bob reboot would be almost redemptive, would pull us up out of that negative funk. And she's right. Completely right. As much as, as much as I would have hated this movie in a vacuum. And this is probably why my part of why my perspective is so different from the inimitable Matt Chrisman, uh, is that I've just watched all these movies in a row. If I had just watched Jane Silent Bob reboot in a vacuum, I would have been like god this is terrible I hate it. But watching it at the, at the end of an emotional arc that involved <laughs> watching all of his previous movies, it I think it signifies something to me that makes it a much more meaningful experience. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly, yeah, meaningful. <laughs> it was just a relief. I felt it I felt a sense of relief watching it because it wasn't another attempt to do you know another yoga hosers or another tusk.
0: I do agree with you in some way I don't think it's the best I think it's pretty bad but I I, I do it's, agree with it's you number that one it is a breath of fresh air after the, like last truly horrible set of like five or six huh. that we've done
1: I, I think it's the best note that he could go out on and I hope yeah. that he goes out on it because it's just it, there's it's just gonna get worse from here.
3: Unfortunately, he did complete filming on, on. his next movie, Kilroy, Was Here, which is Ugh, a comedy come horror anthology, uh, no. which is surely going to be horrible. It's in post-production now. It will exist. I'm sure it'll never appear in theaters, even if movie theaters continue to exist, <laughs> but it has been filmed and it will unfortunately exist and i'm sure it'll be much worse than this movie which was uh-huh. uh the crown the crowning uh jewel of his crew <laughs> i can't find the fucking post
1: uh-huh.
3: <laughs> i'm losing my mind here i'm scrolling through twitter i don't did he delete it it's about marvel movies right the one that was on the 10th anniversary no the one year anniversary of endgame and he said uh the thing about Doctor Strange and the finger—I do honestly think sometime in the future we might need to revisit it because there's a lot of shit that I held back from talking about.
1: Yeah, i, I will just say that um, to me, it feels like the con- it feels like a fitting conclusion to Kevin Smith's career. I wish he was ending it here. <laughs> um, it's a, a better movie to go out on than most of his previous ones. Uh, I do stand by my my stance that it's also a very interesting reflection of Clerks because it also feels like a very pure reflection of a certain person's like mindset at a certain time, except with um, Clerks, I found it endearing uh, because it felt like he still had a soul back then. But with this one, it feels so hollow that it made me feel like sick watching it. Like, I was like, I don't want to be in this man's mindset. It's like how some people talk to... I, I've heard people say this about Taxi Driver, where they're like, Taxi Driver is a good movie, but I don't like being in that character's head. Um, I don't like being in Kevin Smith's head. It's a horrifying <laughs> place to be. Um, it's awful. Uh, and, and besides that, just... Also totally confirmed that he has weird race shit, weird shit with gay people, weird shit with trans people, um, weird shit with his daughter, and yeah. uh, <laughs> and weird shit with Jason Mewes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
3: I didn't even want to talk about the weird daughter shit because I went into that way too much on the Yoga Hosers episode. Yeah. and It's
0: not too different, honestly. I just want to put it out of my mind. Yeah, I am going to put it out of my mind. Unless you want to talk about it, Harley, you know. I was there for you. Did you just say, who did you just call don't, Harley? Don't worry about
3: it. <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is she there with you? <laughs> Holy shit, Silent Bob, look, it's my long lost ex-girlfriend, Boo Boo Kitty Fuck. I'm having a much better time than the last couple episodes. <laughs> Me, honestly,
0: yeah. I, I, I did not find this one nearly as hard to watch.
1: I still found it pretty fucking hard to watch, <laughs> honestly. About halfway through, I was I was struggling.
0: I think part of it is I like seeing Jason Muse. I just like him. I, I I don't know. I have a weird affection for him.
1: He is the person that, like, out of the VS universe, I do like most. I definitely do like Jason Mewes the most.
3: I, I loved... Okay, lo- I shouldn't say loved. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm doing the thing that I judged you guys for doing, which is grading <laughs> on a curve. Because I'm like, I'm viewing this movie much more highly in contrast to previous movies we watched, so I I should... I
1: was just gonna let your... I was just gonna let the listeners, like, figure (laughs) out that hypocrisy for themselves. I was just gonna comment
3: No, 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 no. You guys are the... You guys would be the hypocrites for judging me after you... Anyway. (laughs) Look. I I misspoke. I don't mean... I didn't love anything about this movie, but... I was trying to say something about Jason Muse's emotional moments. As as lazily uh-huh. written as they were, like when Jason Muse was like, you know Well, because the the whole contrivance of him not telling the girl that he was her dad, which is just uh-huh. something that Kevin has seen in movies, yeah. but like yeah. didn't bother to come up with a credible reason why he should need to ever keep it a secret but just did it anyway. But that's dumb. But like, but that scene where he's like, she's talking about how she never met her dad. And he's like, actually, I knew your dad a little bit and you're better off without him. He's a real piece of shit. Like Jason Mews really sold that shit. Like I I, believed Yeah, He's good.
1: I would agree with that. Yeah.
3: He, he makes me really like Jay as a person, Mm. despite how hard Kevin tries in the writing to humiliate him (laughs) and make him look like shit and always have him getting fucked in the yeah. ass and stuff both like
0: like jason muse gives a performance in this movie that i genuinely think equals ben affleck's also very good performance in this movie pretty much every other <laughs> performance not great but they're both really good ben
3: affleck is only in it for a little bit ben but. Ben, ben was great stupid scene mm. uh yeah uh i i'm grateful for the um the restraint with the uh, Martha reference, the fact <laughs> yeah. that he like di- the fact that he made it a sly joke rather than a labored one was like, wow, yeah. I'm impressed with you right now, Kevin.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll say with with Jason Mewes, even though I enjoy the guy, I always felt he was only good as jay like i figured i just liked him as that character but after seeing this movie i'm like there is uh there is something to his performance there is a reality that he brings and i think he has talent that's like kind of untapped so i i was definitely impressed by jason muse in this movie yeah he himself like when it comes to a scene where he needs to be really emotional and vulnerable He does it in a like surprisingly effective way. So like I would love to see a more artistic director. Let's say (laughs) cast him in something.
3: (laughs) I think we've seen enough from him. I think that this. I think he can rest on his laurels after this movie. I don't know if we really need (laughs) more Jason Mewes. I just
1: feel like Jason Mewes has like he carries with him a certain reality where. A um, where a director like um, the guy who made like um, like Spring Breakers and and Gummo Harmony Corinne, yeah, like like a Harmony Corinne or or someone like that. Imagine if he was Alien
3: instead of James Franco. That would have been sick. Yeah, actually, like
1: I th- exactly <laughs> like I feel like someone like 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 a Harmony Korine, okay, uh, okay, could, could could take Jason Mewes and do something interesting with him because there is something interesting about him that I do like that Kevin doesn't tap into.
0: He has such a unique like reality there that you don't yeah. see. Like he talks how he's talked since he was like a shitty kid that hung out outside the fucking quick stop, but like in real life, yeah, and and, and th- th- it seems like he hasn't changed throughout these years like he hasn't put on a different voice he hasn't like increased his existing I guess you could call it an accent his existing way of speaking Mm -hmm. anyway and and there's something there that like is enjoyable to watch because it's a real person you know what I mean
1: yeah or the the other um the other director I was trying to think of was I was also trying to think of like the Safdie brothers oh yes um just just anyone who can capture that kind of reality uh, of a certain person and looking back at the original clerks i think that that's what kevin accidentally kind of did with jason muse was he captured yeah. a certain reality of this guy which was awesome and super entertaining but then trying to take that reality and turn it into a character he made it a cartoon which is like way less interesting yeah
0: i think it's clear that jason muse is like I can't think of the word, but the the opposite figure to Kevin Smith's decline into, like, just dog shit. Jason <laughs> yeah. Mewes has, like, climbed out and somehow, like,
3: had good performances and been funny. Um, yeah. Another thing that I noticed about this movie is that... Um, it felt a lot like Kevin was trying to audition for making a Marvel movie. Mm. There was a lot of like, there were a lot of like dramatic zooms and pans and there was all the JJ Abrams lens flare. And And it really, it really seemed like he tried to like up the production value of it in a way to like convey that what to convey that, like, look, look, I can do this. I swear to God, I can be a real professional movie guy. I can make a Marvel movie if you just give me a chance, uh, which which brings us back to a recurring theme on this show, which is Kevin just shamelessly brown nosing <laughs> to Marvel, yeah. just just desperately begging to be noticed it's and pathetic. valued by Marvel. I mean, shit. At the in one of the things in the credit, there were so many stupid cutaway scenes over the credits, and one of them was footage from an interview he did with Stan Lee before he died at some IMDB event at Comic Con uh. years ago. Like he cannot stop. Uh, Brody was wearing a Stan Lee T-shirt. He thanked Stan Lee and the cri- like he's so fucking obsessed with his weird uh, grandpa figure relationship he's created with Stan Lee, and it's yeah, it's totally out of fucking uh just just this slavish obedience to the corporate culture of Marvel. You know he's anyway, I'm off on a rant again. <laughs> look kevin made a post um on april 26th or april 25th i guess it was the one year anniversary of that fucking avengers movie avengers endgame and um avengers endgame and uh so an account mcu exchange made a post a year ago tony stark sacrificed himself to save the universe and there's a little video of the scene where uh, tony uh, he has the thing And uh, Doctor Strange, he holds up his finger and then Tony does the thing and he he kills Thanos or whatever. Right? You guys remember the movie. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) anyway, Kevin says... One of the best moments I ever saw across a then 48 years of watching and even making movies. Love that Tony snapped at Thanos. But Strange holding up one finger. I take it to mean and that was our one chance hence tony's sacrifice anyone else have a different read on it uh, if if you are so, a guy who like doesn't watch very many movies
0: and you don't really engage with art which is a fine way to be it's a fine way a to be he's a filmmaker i know i know
3: he makes movies
0: for he's, a living he's a
1: filmmaker if
0: you are that guy that's an okay that's an okay thing to say if you make yeah. fucking movies and i profess to loving movies <laughs> you should just Pick something else, man. Pick
3: something. Does anyone, does anyone else have a different read on it? This man has watched Endgame like dozens of times. We've seen previous posts where he's like, "I just watched Endgame for the seventh time." Motherfucker! And like, yes, obviously that's what it fucking means. It's clearly signaled. Like these movies are made so fucking babies can understand them. (laughs) It was a whole big dramatic thing in the previous movie where Dr. Strange was like, I analyzed all the the possibilities of blah, 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 and there's only one scenario where we succeed, you know, which just just doesn't make sense, you know, in uh, statistic, like in terms of probability, that's dumb, but whatever. Um, uh, And... uh, And then fucking, and then Kevin is watching this maybe for the third or fourth or fifth time. And for the first time he thinks about the fact that Dr. Strange is holding up one finger and he's like, Oh, you know what I think that means? I think that Dr. Strange is saying that this was the one chant thing that he was talking about before. He's like, hey, does anyone else? I mean, does anyone else have a different? What else could that finger mean? Does anyone else have any theories on that? He's like
0: pointing to God,
3: like we did it. He's saying we're we're number one.
1: I want to lay out a, a bit of a take here because okay, I've,
3: all
0: right,
1: it's, it's don't worry, it's it's not a hot take. It's just something <laughs> I've been thinking about lately, and um, this post like really brings it into full view for me, which is. That the reason why I find Kevin Smith interesting to talk about, the reason why I think he's deserving of any type of attention isn't that he makes bad movies, isn't even that he's like culturally significant because, you know, Michael Bay has made bad movies that I'm not super interested to talk about. Um, The thing with Kevin that's different is that Kevin was brought up in the same indie wave as like Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez. And the thing I find interesting about Kevin is that he was given a rarefied position within the movie industry like as a whole. Like its entire history, this moment was a very rare chance for young filmmakers to come up and become Hollywood elites. And Kevin not only blows it, but shows such a disrespect and a lack of interest for the art form that it makes his films something worse than just bad movies. Because when I watch them, I can't help but think of the filmmakers that didn't get a chance. The filmmakers that could have made movies instead of Kevin Smith, gotten that same push from Weinstein, gotten that same funding, and, you know, we could have another Tarantino. But instead, we have kevin smith and that makes his entire career such an insult to filmmaking at large that i think that is what drives me to keep on looking at him and keep on looking at his films
0: that uh is an amazing note to go out Thank
1: you. do we have
0: anything else to say i don't
3: anymore uh i just want to say there was another bit during the credits where we go back to the scene where they're talking to Ben Affleck, and they do a callback to Ben Affleck was the bomb in Phantoms, but he says, "But Ben Affleck was the bomb as Batman." And Jay was like, "Yeah, <laughs> Batfleck, motherfucker, or whatever." And I was like, "Yeah, I know." Right when I saw that, I was like, "This is for Trev. Uh, that's like, what that's right. what got
0: you on board with the movie, dude.
3: Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was like. You know what? I'm, oh, you won you won me over this time, Kevin.
0: This has been such a heel turn, not only for Rose and I, but also for no, you, no, which is, no, which no, is no, no.
3: Look, look, look. <laughs> I, ha- I still hate Kevin with my life. I hate him with everything inside of me. Everything he touches is garbage. Do not make, do not get that twisted, all right? I'm just trying to go out on a slightly more positive note. I was very blackpilled about fucking Yoga Hosers. And, uh, you know, I'm just trying to latch on to what little positivity I can here at the end of our wonderful first season of We Need to Talk About Kevin.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so speaking of, um, we are going to be taking a bit of a hiatus. And Uh if any of the the Little Piglet fans out there want to send us (laughs) ideas of if they want us to cover other things, if they want us to find Kevin and murder him, um, it's a good time to do it. <laughs> pandemic. Um, we're, we're
3: taking a break from the podcast while we all take a road trip to Los Angeles for no per, for no particular reason. Rose, Trev, and Ted We all just really back. want to go visit Hollywood. Uh, you know, tour around homes of the stars. Nobody in particular. <laughs>
0: this is the real reboot of we uh, just and ch- Bob.
3: We just want to check it out.
1: <laughs> Wait, you actually just reminded me of one last thing. I do want to leave the audience with. um I think I forgot to mention it on the last Jay and Silent Bob episode. But uh, this film seems to be very clearly trying to imitate um, the Muppet movie uh, because it is also a, a comedy about, uh, you know, two buddies going to Hollywood and it's very meta, you know, it's it's lots of fourth wall breaking. And I just want to say for the people at home, if you want to see a film which does like a similar style of comedy as Jane and Silent Bob reboot, but is actually really well done. Check out the Muppet movie because I actually love that film. Uh, with all it my heart. it's wonderful. And as for the podcast in general, I will say no, we are not doing any sort of road trip because I'm not breaking quarantine. I'm being very safe. I'm washing my hands, wearing masks.
0: That's a good cover. That's good plausible deniability. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I'll I'll will only be taking a trip to the post office to mail some packages to the home <laughs> of one Mister Kevin Smith.
1: Um, but uh, our podcast will be taking a little bit of a hiatus at the end of what we we're considering season one, uh, so we can look at what kind of stuff we want to get to in season two. I have some pretty fun ideas for where we can go next, but and Vera Drew has also sent us some wonderful ideas. Yeah. But yes, if any of our, our little um, piglet fan. <laughs> uh, at home would <laughs> like to send us uh some concepts or some films you think uh would be interesting for us to go over um just dm them to the uh talking the we need to talk about kevin podcast uh twitter account which I believe is at talking kevin and we will uh we will get to those before the next season.
3: I would like you to not send us ideas <laughs> because I already feel overwhelmed by the sheer number of Kevin Smith adjacent <laughs> and Kevin Smith related things that we theoretically need to watch and talk about. And uh, Vera has given us a very devastating uh, list of things <laughs> that we need to watch. And I, I, I don't want any more ideas. Uh, you can send, send Rose ideas, but leave me out of it.
0: Just be mean to him online. He loves it.
3: Oh yeah. It, it, if, if you want to just say bad things about me, my DMS are always open or, you know, just getting my mentions <laughs> at Trev underscore drink water. Uh, I, I want to yeah. hear it all, but don't tell me things that I should watch. Uh, also, <laughs> Um, Kevin, when he does the, uh, Glengarry Glen Ross thing with the clan, that's actually a Bugs Bunny, Elmer Fudd, uh, bit. That's classic Are you fucking kidding me? Like Uh, how, how, you know how Bugs Bunny used to like act like a guy from a movie or something and Elmer Fudd would be all confused and dazzled by it. And then he would make his escape and Elmer Fudd would be like, oh, that was that Waskly wabbit or whatever. So that's, that's just classic comedy. That's just... That's just Kevin, you know, you know. Sometimes the old ways are the best ways, uh, <laughs> you know. He's just paying a little respects to the classics, and that's why this was officially in the. We need to talk about Kevin canon, the number one Kevin Smith no. film of all time. <laughs> no, 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 no. I will be no, releasing no. the official, uh, the f- <laughs> definitive God. ranking of Kevin Smith films after this episode is released and this I will not is be num- doing that was number one.
0: I'm willing to work with Rose on making one, um, no, no, no. but I'm not willing to work with Trevor and his domineering. No, ways. I've,
3: I've already made the list. You needn't concern yourselves with any anti lists from Rose and Ted. They're like, see, I'm like the calf. I'm like the Pope. <laughs> and rose and tad are like martin luther this oh, is oh no. hey fuck
0: you buddy don't you Why ever call me all right that's it no season two shows off a good Absolutely kevin no season two
1: uh
0: you're and, a bastard I would never be how a protestant. dare you compare us to martin luther they are apostates i
1: will never be a protestant i will never be an apostate uh, what tr- what trev saying is anathema do not listen to it
3: it's it's a metaphor i don't mean literally season two okay. is canceled uh rose and i are starting our own podcast
0: Called, we need to talk about Trevor and how racist he is against Catholics.
3: (laughs) Everybody uh, remember to watch Flower Guardian on YouTube. That's Rose's YouTube channel. (laughs) She has lots of great videos. Uh, Follow us at Talking underscore Kevin, at Trev underscore Drinkwater, at underscore Flower Guardian. Ted doesn't want you to know his handle for some reason. I won't tell you. I don't want weirdos on my Twitter. I just want to tweet with my friends. Everybody check out Vera Drew's Joker movie. We're all very excited <laughs> yes. about that. Oh.
1: We are very excited about it. Uh,
3: make yeah. sure you check out Chapo Trap House, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I do want
0: to say uh, thank you to Jack Allison and Leslie Lee of Struggle Session. Of thank course. you to
3: Kurt. Thank you, Valerie. Thank you, Kurt Schiller. Thank uh, you, to Parents all Don't the Just Don't great... Understand Pod. Thank listen, you, Vera. please listen to Parents Just Don't Understand. Listen to Struggle Session, of course. Uh, I feel like we're at the end of an SNL episode. Thank you so much. <laughs> this was a dream come true. I've had a great week. Thank you to everyone. Thank you,
1: Lauren Michaels. Watch uh, Fireside Chats with V. Very true. The, uh, the full Channel. season
3: of Beef House is out. <laughs> you can check it out on adultswim.com with any cable <laughs> provider. <login. laughs> if you need a cable login reach out to trevor on twitter very funny show i can't share my parents comcast login with you sorry it's a touchy so <laughs> all,
1: all right. right night everybody well have a good night everybody <laughs>
3: bye i fucking hate stupid kevin smith oh man all right excuse me
1: pickle it, pickle
0: it, pickle it, pickle it.